Hi everyone, my name's JP and welcome to my study, um, or the limited part of it that you can see. I suppose you're just uh, guessing or zooming in on what the uh, books on the bookshelves behind me are. It's probably for the best, the other end of it is particularly chaotic, uh, toys strewn everywhere. Um, not for me, I might add, uh, maybe I'll pop a picture on social media or something like that. But um, hello, uh, great to see you, and um, great to see you in particular if this is uh, the first time that you've accessed something like this. Maybe you've been um, invited along by a friend today. You are so welcome here. And what we're doing is we're, we're in the middle of a, a series of talks called In These Days, where we're looking at what we call discipleship from a distance. So that is how to follow Jesus um, during lockdown. And today we're going to be looking at um, Psalm 13 from the Bible and in particular looking at um, what one of the most helpful tools that the Bible gives for how to deal with our disappointments. Now, when I say that phrase dealing with disappointments I'm, I'm not meaning the trivial stuff I mean maybe you're a Liverpool fan it's 30 years since you've won the title uh, you're all set to win it this year who knows if you're going to uh, you can get over that can't you um, I've probably just lost every Liverpool fan watching this, haven't I? But hey, you'll win it next year. So uh, I, I am meaning the things that sit deep within you, like the, the, the deep stuff. I, I was um, praying with a guy um, who said, JP, I, I just feel like, um, like God's finished with using me. I thought, how sad. And as we talked that out, what, what actually was at the root of that was disappointment at the way recent events had panned out. And as we use this three-step process that I'm going to talk about today, what actually happened was that, um, that blockage in his life was removed and he was able to enjoy his relationship with God afresh. Now, I suspect at the moment, some of you on hearing the, the, the phrase dealing with disappointments, you instantly go to... But JP, I am sick of introspection. I mean, there's been two months of just me. Like, do I really need this um, right now? But let me tell you a story. There used to be a tree in our garden, which um, we used to call the Medusa tree because um, it, it looked absolutely horrific. It was a bit like a willow tree, but without a trunk. So it's kind of like just, um, just kind of flopped over. It was in the place where there used to be an old pond. It looked horrible. So uh, Emma and I agreed we had to get rid of it. So I went outside, chopped it down to the ground, got rid of it, put the tarpaulin back over and the rocks and things. And... Um, uh, I, and there we go, it was done, it was removed from our site. Um, except, as you are all no doubt guessing, what happened a couple of months later, the tree started to grow back once again, because I hadn't got to the root. And you know, when we don't get to the roots of our disappointments, they simply return. And often they can re return as, as even worse things like cynicism. And so I, I do get that you're sick of introspection. I really do. We all really just want to uh, get on and connect with, with one another again today. But I, I just want to really encourage us to engage with this. Because if those disappointments aren't, left, uh, aren't dealt with, if they're, if they're left, left to fester, then, well, I bet they're still there. I bet they still sting when you consider them. As Rick was saying last week in his preach, we mustn't gloss over loss. Now, the question that many of us are asking at the moment is, how long will all of these things go on for? How long till I can see my friends again or at college or uni or in the workplace? Um, how long till I can go on holiday again? 
Um, how long till someone else can look after my kids for a bit of time? I am definitely asking that question right now. But if that's the question that you're asking, I, I want to encourage you that that's exactly where Psalm 13 starts with this question of, of how long. And, and so I'm going to read out the, the first four verses of it. And um, let, let's get ready, because I do believe that God wants to do a work in us as we hear this message. So it's only six verses long. I'll do the other two a little bit later. But just notice the emotion of these verses. Here's what David writes. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. When life gets tough, when we get disappointed, the first thing that Psalm 13 encourages us to do is to go to God and to express the pain. Express the pain. I'm talking out loud so you can hear yourself declare it. Tears and snot and all, express the pain. Just have a look at, uh, at verse 1, how it sounds. It's, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Do you know over one third of the Psalms have these kind of feel to them? We call it lament. It's like telling God how you really feel. It's God's invitation to give him your every feeling, your every disappointment. To be real with him. Three years ago as a church, we underwent a, a leadership transition. It was, um, it was quite sudden and um, quite unexpected. And uh, the, the uh, guys who planted the church, uh, Nick and Penny, um, uh, moved on. And I, um, I, I really loved Nick and Penny. And I would say that Nick was the most formative um, human influence in my whole Christian life. Um, it was, he was like a spiritual father to me. And uh, when he left it, it really, really hurt. There was a, a lot of pain and I had a lot of questions, there was a lot of confusion and um, about the future of the church and, and all of these things. And um, I was working in Beeston at the time as a solicitor and solicitors have an hour for lunch. So I spent my hour expressing the pain. I was saying, God, this is how I feel. I don't understand these things. Why have you let this happen, Lord? Is, is Nick okay, Lord? Is the church going to be okay? Father, what, what's going on? What are you doing? Why is this happening right now? express the pain and I as I did so began to feel a release of the burden that this disappointment had kind of held within me. Do you know some of us are really going to have to get used to doing this aren't we because this isn't something that we're all um, familiar with or have, uh, have done lots before but this is where the Psalms can really shift us out of, of our comfort zone isn't it. This is a, a Psalm of David as I said as he of Goliath fame he went on to be king and just check out what, what it is that he's saying. He, he asked the question, how long? Four times. That's really unique in the Bible. Nowhere else asks this question this intensely. And it's all with a, a, originally written in a Hebrew language that, as I understand it, builds um, its emphasis and intensity by repetition. So if we, for instance, wanted to say that God was holy, so that means set apart, in English we would say holy, 
holier, holiest. But in Hebrew, you just repeat it. Holy, holy, holy. It's like the most holy of all. And what David's doing here, he's doing that with a question, how long? He's intensely asking this how long question four times. This isn't the how long till tea's ready kind of how long. This has the feel of one person in tears asking another, how long will you keep on doing these things to me? But then he says, how long, O Lord, or in the Hebrew, how long, Yahweh. It's, it's the really precious, revealed name of God that was considered so holy that the Jews of the time wouldn't even speak it out loud. It comes from Exodus chapter 3, just earlier on in the Bible, where God reveals himself by, uh, by saying that his name is, I am who I am. That is, that he is so far beyond all of our categories of understanding that the only way we can define him is to say that he is. And so when David says this, how long Yahweh, he's not being disrespectful to God. He's not denying God. He's saying, how long, O Lord, who is so much greater than I? And because God is above all things, then David refers to all sorts of things. There are no situations that are off limits with God. So verse one, he talks about his relationship with God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And then start of verse two, how long must I take counsel in my soul? The issues to do with himself. We might um, talk of it as how long will I be like this, Lord? But then the second half of verse 2 says, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? That's to do with situations around him. The other thing that really strikes me, Scripture is inspired by God. So God put this in the Bible. And if I was just to pull one of these books off of the bookshelf, let's say, um, why should anyone be led by you? This is a, a leadership book I read recently. I found it helpful and um, but you read it and the things that you like, you take to heart and you allow it to change how you lead things. But um, the things that you that don't land with you, you just cast on. You just say, well, that, that's just their opinion, whatever. There might be research behind it, whatever. But, but Psalm 13, Scripture, this is inspired by God. God is inviting us here to express the pain. Check this out. I love this. I, I heard an ex-FBI hostage negotiator say recently that um, research shows that whenever a negative emotion is articulated verbally, the negative activity in the brain diminishes every single time. He gets, as, as this uh, person put it, it gets called out or as Jesus put it, it gets brought into the light. You know, I, I don't know what your coping mechanisms are with disappointment, whether it's pseudo-spirituality, praying what you think you're meant to pray, ignoring it, pushing it down, addictions, checking the BBC website every day just to see if something's changed about the lockdown situation. This is your Heavenly Father's invitation to you to express the pain, to get it all out. And this might be messy for some of you, this might be tissue time. You may need to do this with a close friend. And you don't need to pray out things that aren't true, but tell God how you really feel. Declare the truth. 
When I say declare the truth, what I actually mean is express the pain. Declare the truth is coming, but with two farms of recording to start again. Because expressing the pain is not all there is, is it? We, we often feel better for having shared, for having expressed things, don't we, uh, with someone. Even in our home group the other day, we, we took some time to, um, uh, to, to, to go around and all answer the question, how are you doing really? And actually, after we'd all shared, there was this sense of relief that we'd been really real with one another. But along with that, there was a bit of vulnerability as well. And that's because something had come out, an expressed emotion. It's the same with dealing with disappointments, that we feel relief where we've told the God of the universe how we feel. But the key question then, once that is coming out, is what then goes back in? Does just the same stuff go back in? Or is there something better? And David, as I've hinted already, gets four verses through this prayer of why, come on God. And then he declares the truth. That's the second thing. So dealing with disappointment, number one, express the pain. Number two, declare the truth. Have a read of verses five and six. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. It all starts with the word but. And but is a really big word in the Bible. The Bible, if you forgive the expression, the Bible has some big buts. You can tweet that one later. Because but sets a, a new direction, doesn't it? Uh, Emma and I the other day were watching The Darkest Hour. It's a, a film about the early years of Winston Churchill being Prime Minister. And so we enjoyed it. Um, well, I say enjoyed. I enjoyed it. She, I think, just put up with it. But um, it was it was a really good film. And um, one of the lines that he says to the House of Commons um, is this. He says, I would say to the House, as I, I, it sounds like I'm trying to do an impression, doesn't it? As I said to those who've joined this government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears and sweat. So what's the new direction here? What's the but here? to declare the truth of who God is out loud in full so you can hear yourself because how many of you know that declaring truth over yourself has power yes I was chatting with um, Duncan who leads the Grace Connection Church um, in Manchester and he was saying that um, some of the challenges of church planting are waking up in the morning and in instantly feeling the burden and pressure of um, are we growing? How are people doing? Have I seen that person recently? Will that person return? And he said, JP, I have to get up into my study and pray myself out of it. I thought that is absolute gold. And he gets into his study, declares truth of who Jesus is, and he prays himself out of it. So that's what I want to encourage you to do, to get before God. Think of anything that you can declare about God, who he is, what he's done, what he's like, what he's like, his character, his promises, his nature, his record. Declare it out and allow the truth of God to wash over you. But just a, a word of advice. Center it on Jesus. Center it on the gospel, on the, the life of Christ, the, the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins, on the, the raising of Jesus to newness of life so we could have newness of life. 
Because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. He is the only way that we know God's victory and God's love and, and, and joy and justice and power. He, he makes it possible. You can declare the promises of the New Testament over yourself. I was chatting about this Psalm 13 with a friend, um, Mark, the other day. And uh, he pointed out in, in verse 3, um, uh, which uh, it says, uh, Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So you've got light and eyes. That when you then go to Ephesians in the New Testament, Paul's letter, uh, chapter 1, he prays in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he was saying what's going on there is that um, the, the language implies a completed action that has a present impact. And, and that's the gospel, isn't it? It's, it's a completed work, a finished work that changes your everyday life. And declaring its truth has power. Even in the hardest times, you can declare the faithfulness of God in the gospel because Jesus gave his life for your freedom. And that means that we have an even greater meaning to verse 6 here. I'll sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. You're finding life hard, feeling the disappointments, still searching. I want to encourage you, come to Jesus. Because he's your hope. He's your freedom. He's the identity that you've been looking for. And when you give your life to him, there is such incredible truth about the change that takes place that you can declare over yourself and receive its power to view afresh your situations. I work on the staff team here, but it's actually my second stint doing so. And um, first time around was um, just after university. I was involved in our um, student work and was absolutely loving it. It was my dream job. It was uh, what I felt God calling me to do. And then one day I um, was called into the um, office of Nick that I referred to earlier and Rob, one of the other um, elders. And um, they said, JP, we're really happy with lots of what you're doing. But um, just to be honest with you, you need to grow up a little bit. You've got, you've got some maturing to do. And, and we don't want to keep you here on the staff team. We want you to go out and see a, um, a, a bit of the world and just uh, allow life to kind of shape you a, a little bit. And um, and I didn't really disagree with the way that they were articulating things. But as I left that room, it was as though my whole world came crashing in. And um, there was an awful lot of disappointment to process, which I did. But the breakthrough came when I began to declare the truth about who God was. You see, the day before, he'd sent me someone, to, uh, sent someone to me to give me a message from him, a prophetic word we call it, that spoke right into the heart of this situation. So I could declare God's faithfulness and I could declare that his calling on my life wasn't in vain. That's the truth of scripture and um, that he was more than able to bring me back onto working for a church staff team again. If that was his will for me, that he was sovereign in all things. As I declared the truth, I really could give my situation over to him. I want to encourage you, declare the truth, refill the tank that you've emptied of, of toxic hurt and disappointment with the beauty and splendour of who God is and what God has done. So your tank's been emptied, it's been refilled with truth. So does that mean you're good to go? Well, no, because often the situation's still there, isn't it? 
it's still a, a live problem the memories still exist and with all the stories that I've told you know Nick and the staff team and uh, Duncan in Manchester they they still require some kind of response and you to act within the situation but what I've noticed about disappointments is that the thing that's so often undergirding them is the question of why why and that's the question of our culture right now isn't it with you know, why is all of this happening why have I lost my job? Why did things have to just stop so suddenly? Why couldn't I graduate? Why couldn't I attend or host this really important birthday party? But it's a question that's also really common in the Psalms. It's asked an awful lot, the question, why? But along with the recognition that life's tough and, and it doesn't always make sense. And that is why the third and final step, express the pain, declare the truth, the third and final step is to decide to trust. Verse 5, I have trusted. Verse 6, I will sing. It involves a, a giving up of the quest to make sense of all of this. A, an active decision to leave it in the hands of God. We often operate, don't we, on the idea that if only I understood why, then I would have my peace, then I would understand. I, actually, I think I'd probably just have more questions. I remember, um, uh, it's probably 15 years ago now, um, I had a wonderful auntie uh, called Hilary, she was so much fun. And then one day we got the news that um, she died in a car accident, very suddenly. And there was an awful lot of pain to process about that. I brought it to God, I expressed the pain. There's lots of truth that I could declare about who God is and his, his faithfulness and his uh, being with me in the morning and the pain, but it, it still just hurt. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. But my breakthrough with that situation, painful as it still is to think back to um, her life and the fun that we had with her, was just to say, God, I don't understand, but I'm deciding to trust right now. I'm handing it over into your hands because I know you. I love you and I trust you. And what I've noticed with every disappointment is that there is a decision for us to make as to whose agenda it is going to remain on. Is it ours, disappointed as we are when things don't go away? Or is it God, God's, who in verse 5 promises that his steadfast love will forever remain upon us. Because in this change of emotion, verse 5 and 6, when, when David decides to trust, it actually completes a contrast. If you notice in, in verse 4, it's David's enemies who are rejoicing over him. But when he decides to trust, now David can say, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He becomes the one rejoicing over and above his situation. And that is because he finds a joy that is greater than his circumstances. He finds a peace that is greater than his understanding. He finds a song that's greater than his pain. Because true rejoicing belongs to the people of God. So how to deal with disappointments? Express the pain, declare the truth, decide to trust. Express the pain, declare the truth, decide to trust. I really want to encourage us to take time to do this, to um, text your friends these three points. Talk about it in your, your home groups. Tell one another these things. Ask about disappointments being processed in our lives. 
But let's do it all knowing that as we do, there'll be some people who'll be really hurting. Let's care for one another really well, both prayerfully and practically. And even right now, there's a, a, a prayer team who are ready and willing to go. If you want to click the prayer button to chat to one of them, you can share as much or as little as you're comfortable with. They'd love to talk with you. But as we do, let's trust God for breakthrough. That's the end of the message today. Thanks so much for being with us. Really hope to see you again soon.